This episode is sponsored by WI Investment Advisory Group. Investing doesn't have to be complicated. Talk to the experienced professionals at WI Investment Advisory Group. Visit them at 1535 Seabright Avenue, Suite 110 in Santa Cruz. They are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives with and offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. WI Investment Advisory Group, investing for what's important. WIIAG.com. 831-600-7873. Yeah, so Saturday night, you know, um, my Saturday night under COVID is hanging out and having a glass of wine alone and watching a movie, right? And so no big party going on. Uh, however, we had had a volunteer um, uh, group, that, you know, come that day, and I was tired from a long day at work. And uh, But sure enough, uh, you know, I thought, well, is it the wine in my head causing rumbling or do I really have to wake up? And uh, no, I had to wake up. It was a very strange noise and uh, the thunder that woke me up. And I, you know, I grew up back east, so I'm used to hearing thunderstorms, but not here and not like that. And so, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I woke up. I think everyone I talked to woke up to that thunderstorm. And most people I know actually then watched lightning for quite a while because it's spectacular. Um, I was doing that, uh, thinking, ooh, ah, a thunderstorm, that's really weird. You know, it didn't even occur to me with the lightning that there could be a fire problem. It seemed offshore. I looked quickly at my phone to look at the radar, and it was offshore with some uh, notes that, well, maybe it would move onshore, but they didn't seem real certain. Uh, but So I was out watching beautiful lightning out my front door window, and, um, and then I saw this uh, the roll cloud. This is Gray Hayes. He grows tomatoes at Molino Creek Farm. It's a few miles inland of Davenport. His house is on a hill, and near his home and on the ridgeline, there's water tanks for the farm. In the bowl-shaped valley below, there's fields and orchards. He's telling me about the first hours of the CZU Lightning Complex fire. He's talking to people in the area who think the fire is moving away from them to the north, but they're wrong. I said, Bob, the whole time you've been telling me that, I've been listening to the fire. He goes, what? I said, just let's be quiet for a second and listen. And so we listened. And you could hear this roar, roar, which we can hear when there's high surf from the surf crashing. It sounded a little similar to if you weren't listening carefully. Because in that roar, there was also explosions of trees just blowing up. And so, um, I, and so I said, hear that, Bob? And he goes, yeah. I said, that's the fire. You hear where it's coming from? You could hear it all across this whole ridge. You know, and um, I said, it's coming. And he goes, no, I hope not. <laughs> and left. And so that, that was the, that's the, you know, the sound part of it. And then, like you say, then, then I see the fire all across the top of that ridge. Well, I, I thought, well, I have a couple more things, some bushes to clear, and then I better get my fire hose and my gear together. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, then my heart starts going a little faster, right? Like, all right, the time, you know, the clock is ticking. I'm not sure when I should, uh, you know, exactly what I should do when. Gray decides to stay and fight the fire. He's done it before. In 2009, he helped keep the Lockheed fire from destroying the farm. 
He has hoses, lots of water, experience, and a plan. Plus, his fields are tilled in the valley below, so there's nothing to burn there. But above it, there's a lot of trees. But I'm sitting there, and the first thing that I know is serious is those trees there were starting to go up. But you see the big black and Douglas firs? I mean, they were torching off at like uh, 8 o'clock at night. And so um, I knew, well, this is going to definitely go across the farm. And then it burned the, that whole thing right before everything from that green tree up to my house burst into flames. Uh, that's about 100 yards, I guess. And it's all grassy and weedy with a few bushes. But it had been heating when that hill was on fire. So it just basically burst into flames simultaneously and sent a wall of flames my way. To Gray's relief, his friend Bob Frank shows up in his driveway. That's when the whole thing blew up, as Gray puts it. The fire was all around my house, and that was the only place you could be is where I'd put out the fire around the house. Everything else was on fire, dangerously on fire. We felt like we were in a little cocoon of safety mm-hmm. at that point. And so we were just, I said, Bob, can you walk around with this um, McLeod? It's a firefighting hoe. And just, you know, put out any little spot flames near my house for a few minutes since we can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we helped a little bit there. And then, and then we noticed there were, you know, there seemed to be these sudden shifts, maybe because the wind or something. But, you know, we're, we're like, oh, my God, everything's on fire to, you know, a few minutes. So I kind of shake your head and you go, huh, it calmed down a lot. Meaning that instead of 40 and 50 foot flames all around us, they were five or six feet. And so we thought, oh, we could go to the next place uphill and and see if we can save it. So we walked up there through kind of the, through patches of fire and and saved that house. They would go on to save several homes that night. They tried to save more, but they couldn't. It was just the two of them. I'm Stephen Baxter. This is Santa Cruz Local. The CZU Lightning Complex fire destroyed more buildings than any other fire in Santa Cruz County's history, according to CAL FIRE data. It burned more than 920 homes and more than 500 other buildings. And this year, as I'm sure you're aware, was particularly intense for wildfires across the state. Five of the largest wildfires in the state's history burned all at the same time this fall. When I asked Gray how Santa Cruz County could better prepare for future wildfires, he talked about prescribed burns. They're also known as controlled fires. They're small fires intentionally set by crews of trained professionals and volunteers. They basically burn away underbrush under big trees. They reduce the fuel that makes wildfires burn hotter and taller. In this episode, we'll look at prescribed burns. They're a tool in the toolbox of land stewardship in areas that are prone to wildfire. We'll look at how prescribed burns can limit wildfire intensity and size. We'll also look at their limitations and some obstacles. We'll hear from a leader of a new group that's trying to organize prescribed burns and better prepare rural areas of the Central Coast. So how did we get here? Well, for hundreds of years, before it was called Santa Cruz County, the land was managed by Native Americans. They're now known as the Amamutsan Tribal Band. Wildfires are natural for the region. 
They used to die out on their own. There was less to burn compared to today's forests. The Amamutsun's ancestors knew the value of controlled burns. Each year, they burned segments of land. The fires were small, and they spread slowly. I heard Valentin Lopez, the tribal band's chairman, speak recently. Valentin said that a year after a controlled fire, seeds would grow, and they'd eat the seeds, and it was part of their diet. A year later, taller shoots would grow, and that became food for deer, elk, and antelope. Another big effect of these controlled burns is that they cleared the underbrush, which is fuel. And now, fast forward to the Mission era of the early 1800s, and then later to the Gold Rush of the mid-1800s, Native traditions and their land management fell away. There was clear-cutting of old-growth forests, and the forests that grew back were denser and more vulnerable to larger fires. Then, in 1905, the U.S. Forest Service was formed. Its focus was fighting fires. Its policy was fires out by 10 a.m., And that led to essentially a full century of fire suppression and removing proactively fire from the landscape. That's Jessica Morris. She's the Deputy Secretary of Forest Resources Management at California's Natural Resources Agency. She spoke this month at an event of the Monterey Bay Economic Partnership. And so it's left us with areas that should have been burning every five to ten years, burning every 90 to 100 years. And that is a catastrophic fire that the ecology is not adapted for. We are seeing seeing cascading climate events clashing with overly dense forests suffering from that fire suppression legacy. And it is leading to these catastrophic fires we have today. The lightning complex fires that, um, that we suffered this summer are a direct example of that. So we had a heat wave that launched a 130-degree heat, one of the highest temperatures on the planet, down in, um, down in Death Valley this summer, and, and it triggered these dry lightning strikes. Over 11,000 lightning strikes triggered 900 fires at the same time, and um, including all of the ones we saw in the Monterey Bay and Santa Cruz area. And, and so those fires were burning at once, and they were hitting overly dense forests, causing this devastation. Morse said she thinks of fire protection and resilience in three steps. She describes it as concentric circles. The innermost circle is around our homes. It's about defensible space. You've heard of this clearing out anything that burns, like trees or shrubs, within 100 feet of houses. That can help firefighters save your house if a wildfire comes through. The next circle is strategic fuel breaks. These are strips of land where brush has been removed and firefighters can take a stand. They can help prevent a fire spread into neighborhoods. The last circle is prescribed burns. The last piece is really this entire landscape approach of making sure that our landscape is fire resilient so that we actually have thinned, healthy forests, that we have grasslands that have the right fire return interval on them, oak woodlands that have, that are, that have fire coming through them at low temperatures so that they are getting rid of invasive species and really thriving. Fire um, can have a cleansing impact but we need to be able to first reduce the fuel load by thinning out the forests um, and removing invasive species and make sure that then we are managing it with prescribed fire and increase our prescribed fire efforts going forward. So how common are prescribed burns in Santa Cruz County? Well, not very. 
In the past two years, there were 30 smoke permits issued for prescribed burns in all of Santa Cruz, Monterey, and San Benito counties. They're issued by the Monterey Bay Air Resources District to private landowners, state parks, and others. I talked to Tim Highland recently. He's a senior environmental scientist with state parks in Santa Cruz County. He told me they've done controlled burns in Big Basin State Park since the 1970s, but he estimated that it had been about four years since any significant prescribed fires there. This fall, crews at Wilder Ranch State Park burned 800 acres of grassland. In March, 15 acres were burned at Forest of Nicene Marks State Park, and then 14 acres were burned at Henry Cowell Redwood State Park in 2019. Considering the whole of the Santa Cruz Mountains, prescribed burns are happening on a pretty small scale. So why aren't they more common? Well, there's this whole process to get ready for a prescribed burn. The land needs to be prepared either with hand tools or heavy equipment. Uh, You need a burn plan, liability insurance, also water, maybe a fire engine, and you'll need a state-certified burn boss and other experienced people. And then there's permits. Typically, those permits come from CAL FIRE, and they always come from the Air Resources District. Groups apply for permits months before the proposed burn day. And then on the day of the proposed burn, the weather is crucial. They'll delay it if there's too much wind because smoke gets into neighborhoods. Much of the land in the Santa Cruz Mountains is private, so it's up to landowners to take all those steps. Now, there's a group called the Central Coast Prescribed Burn Association that's making that process easier. They're organizing landowners to show them the importance of prescribed burns and take them through the process. Here's Davey Rao, who's a leader of it. I actually started this process maybe two, two and a half years ago, something like that. Started gauging the interest um, from landowners and land managers in prescribed burning Um, I did a few different surveys um, to find out what is people's interest in this. And at each stage, people were saying, yes, this is really interesting. We want to learn more. Yes. Can you do a workshop on this? Yes. Let's do a prescribed burn. You know, less. Yes. Let's uh, develop a prescribed burn association. So at this point, I have a list of, I think it's around 125 people across Mm -hmm. who um, are really interested in getting involved in the prescribed burn association. Most of their work so far has been gathering people. Next, they're planning a pile burn workshop in January. It's smaller than a prescribed burn, and it introduces people with little or no experience with fire. Davey told me a big piece of their work is education. I think some people maybe are nervous about prescribed burning because of experiences they've had in the past or things like that, or just fire sounds really scary. So I think there's a huge education component to making people in our communities really comfortable with fire so we can use it at a larger scale so it can become more effective. Prescribed burn associations are popping up all over the state. It started in Humboldt County in 2018. There's now at least 13 more, including Butte County, where the town of Paradise was destroyed. The Central Coast Prescribed Burn Association got a big boost in March with a four-year grant of more than $300,000 from Cal Fire. As more and more people get trained up, as there are more and more prescribed burn associations across the state, um, I think that our communities will become safer and safer. But I think it will take, I think it will take time. At this point, we 
kind of have to start small um, and learn, you know, each community sort of has to relearn or learn for the first time how to do these burns. Prescribed burns made some difference in the CZU Lightning Complex fire, but they helped to varying degrees. Several months before the fire, there was a shaded fuel break built at San Vicente Redwoods. That's an 8,500-acre property in Bonnie Dune. I talked to Nadia Hamey about it. She's a forester and consultant for San Vicente. Our most successful burn was this last year, February 27, 2020. We burned about 21 acres, which uh, was awesome. And that is uh, a stretch of empire grade between what we call gate 21, which is directly across from the Christmas tree farm, back towards, like, north, towards the Cal Fire camp. The shaded fuel break section that was burned in February is like green trees, and it's right next door to high-severity fire zone. So it was probably a combination of factors, but the understory in that area practically did not even re-burn. The fire around it was a mosaic, and obviously the fuel condition in the prescribed burn influenced how it... Uh, you know, was uh, resilient through the through the CZU fire. Firefighters weren't actively defending that fuel break. I asked Hamy if it stopped the fire on its own. Uh, no, not really, because it burned um, both sides of Empire Grade. In this particular case, it didn't stop the fire, but it may have, you know, uh, slowed it, checked its speed, checked its heat. There are some downsides to controlled burns and even burn piles. They can get out of hand. In 2008, a Los Gatos man was hired to burn piles of logs at a property off Summit Road. The fire was not put out properly. The wind whipped it into a forest fire. It burned 63 houses and 4,200 acres. It became known as the Summit Fire. And there's other challenges. It's not like you can do prescribed burns all over the Santa Cruz Mountains tomorrow. There's hours of manual labor and heavy equipment work to be done first. And that work, of course, helps control the burns. Also, more people are living in the mountains now, in part because of lower housing costs. Controlled burns are simpler in more open spaces. Another drawback, smoke from controlled burns can be unpleasant or it can harm your health. Some people have respiratory problems and when it's smoky, it's just hard to breathe. There's also short windows to schedule burns The Air Resources District only allows them when there's essentially no wind. Richard Stedman, the air pollution control officer for the Monterey Bay Air Resources District, told me that his staff gets complaints whenever there's a controlled burn. Stedman told me, quote, I think people are going to have to get used to the fact that we're not going to have clear air all year. If you're interested in prescribed burns and you want to get involved, here's a few ideas. Nadia Hamey again, the San Vicente Redwoods consultant. The best way is to contact something like a prescribed burn association, and there's coursework that you can do online in addition to a fitness test um, to be eligible to be, uh, to participate, for instance, in one of those Nature Conservancy training burns. So if you look up TREX, T-R-E-X, uh, you can find, you know, a series of classes to take online 
And it starts out with like the incident command system and how communications work on fires. And you kind of need to know that because these things all work uh, according to those organized rules. We'll put that link in the show notes. Here's Davy Rao again from the Central Coast Prescribed Burn Association. And for people who maybe aren't, you know, live more at the wildland urban interface, um, who might think prescribed burning isn't necessarily for them, but there is a lot of, you know, vegetation nearby their homes, prescribed grazing is another tool that people can use to make their homes and communities more fire safe. So that's something to consider as well, whether it's using cattle or sheep or goats, um, there are opportunities there as well to reduce the um, fire fuels. We'll put Rao's contact information in the show notes as well. The State Prescribed Burn Association's website is calpba.org. Santa Cruz Local offers its news stories for free as a public service. We want all Santa Cruz County residents to have access to fair and accurate local news. We're supported by people like you, who chip in $9 a month or $99 a year. We call them our members. As of Friday morning, we had 696 Santa Cruz local members. Thank you. We are now in our winter membership drive. We're trying to get 33 more members before the clock strikes midnight, December 31st. Will you join today and make sure season two of Santa Cruz Local launches next month with no interruptions? Join us at santacruzlocal.org slash membership. The link is in our show notes. Thank you to all our members. Thank you especially to our highest level members, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Jacob Meiberg Guzman, Deborah Seche, Chris Necklison, Elena Cohen and Steve Ritz, Fran Goodwin, Peter Beckman, Patrick Riley, and the Kelly family. Thanks to Trimpot for the music. Thank you for listening to Santa Cruz Local. This episode of Santa Cruz Local was sponsored by UC Santa Cruz. UC Santa Cruz tells its story in its Story Cruise podcast. Listen to conversations about UC Santa Cruz news, research, breakthroughs, people, and events. Find Story Cruise on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play.